Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Amen, amen, amen. All right, church, let's remain standing. I'll invite Josh on up, and we're going to read our text together. And before we do, as we prepare for that, can we just praise God some more this morning? Like, really get excited about what He's doing? I just think about, I get so, like, tired of watching, like, sports. I love sports, not tired of watching sports, but how people just go crazy wild of emotions based on some guys playing with a ball, right? Or gals, whatever your sport is. How much more for Jesus? Like, we get excited and have fun for Jesus, like experiencing Jesus because He's worthy. And so let our heart posture just be that, just a spirit of worship out of joy that's in Him because He's worthy of it. Josh, it's you, man. Pop back to Paul. <laughs> Everyone, um, my name is Josh Bennett. I serve with uh, Way Kids. So good to say, I know most of y'all, but uh, yeah, amen for Way Kids. Um, so our scripture reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 18, in verses 9 through 11. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for worship. We thank you for just your word that stirs and encourages our hearts, Father. And right now I just pray that you continue to work through your word and through worship Move your spirit in this place and move us closer to you, Father, during this time. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, you may have a seat. Josh, I'll get that mic from you. Thanks. Well, all right. Well, I'm excited this morning. If you, if you haven't, couldn't pick up on what we're doing here, uh, I don't have an iPad, right? So you're like, I'm just going to wing it and that could get us in trouble because we'll be here until dinner. That's what happens. That's really why I have notes. We have a special privilege this morning to have a, a guest speaker, and he's not just a guest speaker. Uh, I got to know Carrie, Carrie Julian, uh, man, it's been several months ago now. Uh, Luke Johnson and I took a, just a trip down in Norfolk just to see what God's doing there and see about the potential of seeing how we can come alongside as a local church to see churches planted in the Norfolk area because of the military community that's there. And so what you may be unaware of is the Pillar Church what's now become a movement of pillar churches, is a church planting. They've started their own just really kind of um, Praetorian project movement based on one church, had a vision to see more churches planted, specifically ministering to military communities. I'm holding this like I'm talking to it. I need two mics. And so over the years now, we've seen many, many pillar churches planted all around the country and beyond, around military communities. And I love their, 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 their phrase and their thought process and really strategy is really missionary-minded, making disciples on the military dime. Because here's what happens. The military deploys, and guess what? We're making disciples and have them go to other places, hard-to-reach places for the sake of the gospel. It's amazing what God's done through the pillar churches. And so I had the privilege of here in a minute just introducing you meeting Carrie Julian. As you see him and his family, his wife Erin, their two-year-old son Micah, and their one-year-old daughter Keziah. And so what has happened, he is being sent from Pillar Church in Dumfries. He's been a church planting resident there, and God stirred in his heart a calling to see a church planted in the city of Norfolk. 
And so they are pursuing God's calling and leading and devoting their life to see a church planted in Norfolk. And here's what we need to understand. And we know this because we're not too far removed from this. Three years ago, we were in the same position. And God was so faithful. And so it's his church. And so what doesn't happen, Carrie isn't going down there to plant a worship service. You guys know the difference? We're not planting worship services. We're planting churches, a people. And so what happens is that Carrie's going down there to proclaim the gospel, knowing that God's working already, waiting for him, him and his team, that God's assembled. And as people believe, guess what happens next? You disciple them. And the crazy thing is, once disciples start gathering, then you start seeing churches forming. And it's in that. And then when a church is formed, what churches do? They have fellowship, they have communion, they baptize, they worship, they share the gospel, they see other disciples made, they plant more churches. This is what we do. This is what the biblical precedent is, means to be a follower of Jesus. And Carrie and his family said, yes, the Lord's calling us to see a church planted in Norfolk. Here I am, send me. And so I'm excited about what God's doing there. I'm excited about, for us, being, if, you don't, if you're not aware of what we do, our church was birthed to see disciples made here in the West End to the ends of the earth. That means disciples made, churches planted. And we're devoting all of our life and our energies to see those things accomplished. And so we're looking to see where God would have us partner to see more churches planted. So we're partnering in Fredericksburg, we're partnering in Puerto Rico. May the Lord lead us potentially partner in Norfolk, Virginia. So with that said, I'd love to invite Carrie up. Can you give him a warm welcome, a way church welcome, just appreciation of what God's doing in your life. And Carrie, I'm going to give you this because I don't need two mics. And uh, we're not doing two sermons, don't get nervous, just Carrie. Uh, but but uh, Carrie's just going to share his heart a little bit about this church that God's birthed in his mind and the passion to see planted. And just we're going to hear the word proclaimed this morning. So I'm going to pray for Carrie. I'm going to invite you to pray with us and just see what God does in this time together as we seek him and his word. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for Carrie and his wife, Aaron, and their precious kids, uh, Micaiah and Micah and uh, Keziah, Lord. And I uh, just thank you for their willingness to say yes to your leading. Lord, I pray your blessing over them in this transition phase. And this time right now is there's swirling things on Carrie's mind this morning. But I pray you give him clarity, give him confidence in your word, and let you be glorified through him. And you stir us this morning to see you and to follow you uh, with all of our lives, Father. We thank you, Lord. We look forward to great expectations to see what you're going to do in our lives and through the proclaiming of your word this morning, Father. We thank you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. All right, all right. Uh, I, I really appreciate uh, the introduction. As he said, my name is Carrie. I'm going to try to tell you guys a little bit about myself <clears throat> and then weave that like into going into the sermon. So I've been married for three years now. We have two children, Micah, who's two, and then my daughter, Keziah, who's one. You got to see the photos of them. Uh, for a moment, like I almost didn't hear what he's saying because I was like, oh, look at my daughter. She's so cute. You know, I was in that moment for a second. Um, but I appreciate all the, the warm words, Josh. So we have been, we were initially living in D.C. when we first got married. We were at a pillar there, and that's where we first really learned about pillar. Uh, and then we went to Pillar Dumfries where, so in D.C. I was leading music. And then Pillar Dumfries, I went and did a residency to learn specifically about church planning. Prior to being at Dumfries, I had been at a church plant in a church plant setting for four years, leading music in Florida. So from 2014 and on, I've been around 
church planning, aside from one year I was at McLean, the Lord let me taste what it felt like to be at a big church. Um, if you, anyone who knows McLean Bible Church, huge, they have like a two-car garage. I was like, wow, Lord, this is, this is where I want to be. But the Lord saw it different. He wants me to be in church plant settings. Uh, so like I was telling you guys, we were at uh, Pillar Dumfries. We just finished a residency, and we've been telling everybody, hey, we're going to move to Norfolk, move to Norfolk. Well, we just got there last night at like 1030. Um, and it was, it was pretty scary uh, because we don't normally do that, like have the kids up that late. So uh, put my son down, put my daughter down, and the, the question was, will they sleep? By God's grace, <laughs> everybody slept, <laughs> you know? Um, and so we were so, I still have stuff in my car as we speak that I have to like bring, bring back. But I say that to say like even my clothes, I didn't unpack really. So I was just like, wait, where are my shoes? Where are some, a shirt, things like that I could put together for today? So I'm here, I'm here, dressed. Uh, thank you for everyone who did the first impressions. The coffee was excellent. You know, I'm just so grateful to be here. So with that said, I am gonna be preaching on, on uh, Acts uh, chapter 18, verses nine through 11. And I want to open up with this introduction. If you don't already have your Bible open, please open it to Acts chapter 18. We'll be looking at those two verses, verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> but I want to open up with just saying I'm a church planner, right? But really, it just means I'm a missionary. Now, that's the thing. Y'all might have different titles, too. Some might have an engineer title or or teacher, so on and so forth, but really there's another title too, which is missionary. Now on the flip side, the thing about being a missionary is, is if we were to go on Indeed or something like that, you know, what is it about being a missionary that makes people not really wanna hit the submit button for that application, right? What, what makes people get gun shy of saying, I wanna be a missionary? Here's me, Lord, send me, send me, right? Ever thought about that, anybody? Well, I've thought about it <clears throat> a couple times, and I came up with a couple reasons. I think um, a couple reasons that people don't sign up to be a missionary. One of them is fundraising. Uh, <clears throat> for anyone who's done sales in the room, you know that if you do sales, you got to make a bunch of calls, you get a lot of rejection, and then you get like a sprinkle of yes, and then just a, a crash of more no's coupled with a few more yeses. So fundraising, you know, who wants to keep asking people for money to help start a church? That's one reason. Second reason I think of is just the promotion track. And y'all can laugh because I'm trying to be a little funny with these jokes here. But, um, you know, with being a missionary, it's not like you say, hey, I'm like missionary at level 101. In three years, I'm going to try to get promoted. So I'm like the regional director of all the missionaries. And, it doesn't work like that. You're just a missionary. Then you think about, I just talked about fundraising. Well, let's talk about raises. You, you know, usually you go to a job and then you tell them, hey, I'm working here. And then they're like, yeah, you know, if you go through these certain benchmarks, you'll see a raise here and, and you can get a promotion there. It doesn't work like that. Uh, there, there are no uh, end of year Christmas parties, right? It's not like my, my sending church is going to be like, Carrie, come back. We're going to have like a big thing for you. And 
We're just going to surprise you with gifts. It's, it's just not happening. Um, and then uh, th- there's just so many other reasons we could list with that. And so the question then is, why would someone want to become a missionary? You know, especially I just told y'all, I just got to Norfolk 1030 at night. And some of, some of that time driving, I'm like, God, is this, is this really, really worth it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm thinking through these things because I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. But here's the thing. There's a reason why you do it. You get a phone call. You get a phone call. Anybody got your phone with you? Hold your phone up. I see some iPhones. Okay. You get a phone call from God. That's why you become a missionary. And that's what happens with Paul. You see, in Acts chapter 9, Paul hates Christians. So much so that he's trying to annihilate the religion with everything in his power to do so. But then he gets that phone call. And then he shifts. And now he's on the complete other side of the spectrum where he's like, wait, I'm all about Christianity. And I want to do everything in my power to help spread the good news about Jesus Christ. So you go from Acts 9, now you fast forward to 18. And Paul, he's done a couple missionary trips, a couple missionary trips. So in this text that we're going to be reading today, he is about to go to Corinth. And in the text, he's actually already there. And he has two other missionaries uh, that end up joining him. And so in this missionary endeavor that he's, he's about to partake in, God shows up and God speaks and God helps lead him through this missionary effort. And so that's what we're going to be covering today in our time. So let's pray together, and then we will dive into God's word. Father, I pray for your help. Lord, you are a gentle shepherd. I pray that you lead us in, in only the ways that you can. Lord, I pray let the word of Christ dwell in us richly teaching and admonishing us with all wisdom. Lord, lead us to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord. We ask these things, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this is Acts chapter 18, verses 9 to 11. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half, teaching the word of God. So here's my question based on us reading that text together, is what's God's intent behind speaking to Paul in a vision? If you're taking notes, here it is again. What's God's intent behind speaking to Paul in a vision. What does God want Paul to know? And then consequently, what does God want us to know? Because it's going to be the same message. So number one, number one, say it with me, number one, God wants us to know his heart for Christians and non-Christians alike. Say that with me. God wants us to know his heart for Christians and non-Christians alike. So let's start with exhibit A, Paul. 
Paul is a Christian. And so holy God speaks to Paul, Christian Paul, in verse 9. God says to him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. Which means that, that Paul, excuse me, Paul was very fearful and had some worry. If you, if you watch his, his, uh, his missionary career as it's developing, what happens is he basically shows up in a city and his hair's on fire, so to speak, and he just starts spreading the gospel. Next thing you know, though, the Jews that, that hear him are saying like, hey, this is not like our normal doctrine that we teach. We don't like it. As a result, we want you removed and or worse, killed. And so they'll, they'll make an effort to have him removed and then he goes to the next city. That's how he ends up in the next city type of deal. So you can imagine, by the time he gets to this city, there's some trauma, there's some concerns from all those other experiences that he had, like what's this gonna be like? And in addition to that, the place that he's in is in Corinth. So Corinth is like a first century Las Vegas, right? So when we talk about sin, right, and, and if we have a scoreboard for sin, where 10 is the highest, they're at an 11. So we're talking like bad, bad, bad sin. So he's about to approach these people and in essence tell them, hey, morally speaking, y'all are doing exactly opposite of what pleases God. You need to turn around and go the other way. And it can only be done through Jesus Christ. Who in their right mind would go do that? You got to have some type of confidence on you. Well, God speaks to, to Paul. And God has a very, very specific message for Paul. He says in verse 10 to Paul, I am with you. So God is saying to Paul, these people who on a scale of 1 to 10, their sin is at 11, I'm with you in going to speak to them. Now you ask yourself, who is God? Acts 17 verse 24 to 25 tells us, I have it in NLT. It says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. That's the one who's speaking to Paul and says to Paul, I'm with you. So God is comforting a Christian in a deep and powerful way that, that I can't even fully describe in words how comforting it is that God is speaking to Paul as he's in Corinth. But God has a heart for non-Christians too. Verse 10, God says, for many people in this city belong to me. So this city, like we said, is first century Las Vegas, where on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest on sin, they're at an 11. I mean, so they're sinning on top of sinning. Meanwhile, Paul is supposed to come and tell him, Hey, I know that this seems right, it feels right, and, and not to mention you have lineage that says keep doing it. 
But I'm actually telling you, don't do it. Follow Jesus instead. As you can imagine, that's very difficult. But here's the thing. God tells Paul up front, here's how this is going to work out. He says, many of these people belong to me. So these, these are the people that are, like I said, on a 1 to 10 scale, they're off the charts with how much sin they've committed. So in essence, we look at that and we say, there's by no means could these people be saved. Not to mention, they're not even Jewish. Around that time, if you're not Jewish, you're not getting in the gate to heaven, according to their ide- the Jewish ideology. But meanwhile, God is saying, no, you don't have to be of the Jewish lineage. You don't, you don't have to do anything. It's all on me. I'll save you to the people that seem farthest from him. So the argument can easily be made that God has a heart for Christians and non-Christians alike because he's comforting Paul. So that way, so Paul says of himself, he says, I approach with meekness. He says he he approaches even fearful at times, but he still goes. God is giving him confidence to do it. That's why God speaks to Paul. And it leads to this like ripple effect. You know, it's like, hey, Paul, just in case you are wondering if things are going to work out, just in case if you're wondering if I want to glorify myself through you, just, just in case, just in case you had any type of concern, and I'm talking to myself right now, just in case you had any type of concern, God says, I am with you. So I liken myself to Paul a little bit. Um, so you, you, you see you have God in Acts 18, and then you have me. I'm, I'm just a normal guy serving the same God. Scripture says he's the same today and forevermore. And then you have Paul. Paul is, is just a normal guy. Um, I'm just a normal guy. My, my pastoral partner, Jonathan, who's leading the effort with me, he's just a normal guy. He's been serving in the military for 24 years, so he knows the context. He knows the people that we're trying to reach. And then you have the city. So you got Corinth. Corinth, like I told you, it's a first century Las Vegas. We're trying to reach Norfolk. Norfolk is considered the third largest growing city in Virginia. And Norfolk is also considered a send city, which means that the, the population is increasing. Meanwhile, the church attendance is heavily declining. So consequently, if you go to Norfolk, you'll see a bunch of beautiful buildings. Some, and these are church buildings, sometimes next door, three, all different denominations. And then most of them are, what, 70, I'm just making this number up here, but 70% empty. So, so Norfolk is being considered a send city by the North American Mission Board, which is just in other words to say, 911, we need missionaries there ASAP. Now, I didn't even know this walking into the picture, God does, though, and that's why he's sending us to go there along with other missionaries to reach that area. And so Paul was fearful when he first got on the scene. When I first got to Dumfries, uh, my sending church, I remember I was sitting in a congregation like this. All of a sudden, the, the pastor, Kobe, he says, hey, um, we're going to have Carrie and Aaron stand up. They're going to be church planning. And 
I can tell you, like, I was so fearful to stand up. I was like, surely there must be another carry in this room. It can't be me. Because I was like, I'm not prepared. I, this was 2021. I was like, it, it, can't, it just can't be me in a sense. Even though I signed the papers, so to speak, saying, yes, we're open to learning, right? But, but here's, God goes the extra mile. This is where I'm getting at. God goes the extra mile. God spoke to Paul in the vision. And then through that, God comforts Paul. Well, God has done the same with us. We have the Great Commission, right? We have also, we have a strong body believers where we're coming from that have affirmed us along the way to say, hey, no, we see what God is doing in you. We've been praying. And I, like I told you, we got that phone call and that's what brought us there to begin with. And so all that to say, God goes the extra mile to help accomplish his work. Paul stayed there 18 months in Corinth. We bought a house that's not ready yet. That's why we're in an Airbnb right now. <laughs> uh, for a month, might I add. Um, we're in this Airbnb for a month. And now this house that we bought, we bought it with the intent of saying, no, we're, we're staying right here until God says otherwise. Why? because we're trusting that God wants to be glorified through us. So God has a heart for Christians and non-Christians alike, period. Amen? So let's just, let's just uh, think the, about this for a bit. Since God cares about Christians and non-Christians alike, what does that mean for us? I could imagine, uh, if anything, Paul, when he first got there, he probably looked at the people and, and just thought, just, hey, this is a bit odd. He was used to being like in a morally conservative setting, and now he was in the complete opposite of that, where people are doing things that, just unimaginable things. And so Paul has to confront these things in his heart. Paul has to grow in his discipleship uh, of being Christ-like, which meant that he has to now see the people more like God sees them than anything else. That's how you're going to accomplish the mission. You can't just see them based on what you see with your own two eyes. And so the question then translates for us, for us missionaries in the room, the ones who got that phone call to be a Christian. It's not like, it's not like you, you called God. He called you out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, your desires changed. Your 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 passion for, for Christ has changed. Similar to what you just saw with Josh. Josh is up here, like, you know, corralling y'all like a worshiper, like, Jesus is important. Jesus is awesome. You know, it's like, where is that coming from? He didn't choose that. God chose him and did that through him. So for the other missionaries in the room, is God doing the same with us? Is he trying to change our mind and our heart so that we see people more like he sees them? So that way we have a heart like he does? So that we have a heart for Christians and non-Christians alike, similar to God? Is, is he up to that? Is that on his mind? Since you're his child, does, is that something that he affectionately wants you to see more and more like him? That's, that's my question to you guys. For the first part, let's go to the second one. So the, the first question was, what's God's intent in speaking of Paul in a vision? And we talked about the first answer being that God wants us to see his heart for Christians and non-Christians alike. 
second answer to the question is, God wants us to offer reconciliation to non-believers habitually. And I, I, I said habitually at the end just to help see the repetition in, in how often we need to do it. Now, you know, Paul, this is in a first century, first century Vegas setting. You know, imagine Paul, you know, waking up. He's brushing his teeth. You know what I mean? He's like, man, how many people will I share the gospel with today? Or the flip side, how many people are going to reject me as I share the gospel today? He has no idea. I'm sure he's going to go to lunch, and he's going to sit down, and he's going to think, man, I'm feeling a little discouraged. But you know what? I remember God spoke to me a while back. He said in a vision, God is he's with me. I'm not alone, not to mention he has other two, two other missionaries with him. If you look at how this church um, goes, it, 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 just, it just blows up. Speaking to what God does, because it, it clearly it's not on Paul, <laughs> who's approaching it like at first fearful and worried. It's, it's not Paul doing this amazing thing. No, it's God just sh- showing off. So, so you have, imagine maybe, maybe Paul at night, he's like, man, you know what? I want to just kind of chill and just watch some Netflix right now. But you know what? I think I want to put some stock in what God told me to do. I think e- even if it just looks like prayer for the ones God told him to reach, it's, it's, it's gonna, it might look different for, for each setting, but, but where I'm getting at is Paul is putting himself in a position where he starts thinking less and less of himself and then just more and more about what matters on God's heart. Now, I think about this in two ways. Like, so for myself, I'm task-oriented. So I'm like, God, I got to do things for you. You know, I, God, I got I to gotta lay out that spreadsheet in Jesus' name, make it organized. You know what I mean? God, I got to uh, coordinate this thing and, and, and in Jesus' name do it all right. And then there's the other side, I think, of where some people are just really good at being social. And you can just, you can just be present from like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Just like, hey, we can talk. We can, you know, we can just, you know, just talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'll meet somebody at Walmart and just say hello. That doesn't bother me. Well, in either case, there's a middle ground. So for the, for the task-oriented person, it really means I got to just let go of that wheel, so to speak, of, of control of, of like this type A getting things done and abiding in Christ so that I can be on mission for Christ. And then for the social person, sometimes it might look like, hey, you know what, I, I stay at the surface with some of these relationships, and I want, to get a, I want to get deeper, which means, once again, like getting away from myself so that way I can be focused and balanced on Christ. So that way I can reach people for Christ. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look different depending on who you are, where you're from. Some of you are in school, and it's going to look different in that context versus in a work context. It's going to look different if you're a stay-at-home mom, but it doesn't change the bullseye. The bullseye is the same, which is to offer reconciliation habitually. Now, here's the thing that I'm trying to point out in this is that just to make it plain, we got to die to ourselves. That's hard. 
Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, hard. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like, this, you know, you hear this message, you're like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm feeling this, man. I'm going to share the gospel right now. And then you do. And then, and you know, maybe the person, maybe the person's like, hey, I don't got time. You're like, oh, oh, oh okay. I'm, you know what I mean? All that, all that momentum, energy, and confidence, it just like went out the window. You know, like, we're, aren't we all like that in some way, shape, or form? Isn't that what happens to us? You know, sometimes, sometimes the Lord is laying it right there on your heart to share the, the gospel with the person, but you just, you feel that fear, that trepidation, like, is now the right time? Maybe, maybe when I talk to them, we just met this week, maybe that should be next week. In my mind, that, that layout makes more sense. Next week comes, they're saying they're on vacation. My point is, in order for us to, to share the gospel habitually, we just got to die to ourselves. So I think about myself and my wife, like, um, when we first got married, no kids. My wife was a federal employee. We're living in D.C. Um, and so we were living, like, good. Um, like, nice, good, comfortable, real comfortable good, you know, generous good. That's how, that's how we were living, you know. And then... You know, like it got to the point where we had first got married, and so you're kind of figuring out your rhythm while the pandemic hit. And so we're just ordering Uber Eats, you know, like every other week. You know, we're just like, we just were living good. Now, on the flip side, I, was, I had made a commitment to myself. I want to share the gospel once a week. So I was, I was being active in that sense. But in that comfort living in D.C., I got to the point where I put on 15 pounds. Because we were living that good, <laughs> living that comfortable. Well, then God gives me that phone call while we're in D.C. to say, hey, in essence, I want you to get deeper into church planning. I had no idea what that meant in the sense of like, okay, what's the next step? Uh, where do I go? Do I stay here in D.C.? Do I... So my wife and I, we committed five months to prayer of, of God, speak to us, speak to us, speak to us, speak to us, speak to us. Every Tuesday morning, that was our rhythm. God, speak to us, speak to us, speak to us. And so sure enough, he, was, he, he made it clear that we need to do some sort of residency. And, and that's what led us ultimately to go to, to Dumfries. Through prayer, the Lord led us there. Well, when we got there, our comfort level went from like, you know, like at a nice high to a nice low. <laughs> I mean, uh, from, from then on, my wife was a federal employee, but then she... Somehow she got pregnant with our second child. I don't know what happened. Uh, and then, so now we had, now we went from two incomes. We had one child to now one income with two children. And I'm saying, yes, I want to be a church planner in a season that makes like next to no sense to say, this is the time. Like it, it's just, it just did not feel like the time. So, so in addition, like I'm helping my wife put the kids down for bed, things like that. Meanwhile, then I do some night calls. Then I preach on a Sunday morning. So, for instance, uh, what, two summers ago, the whole summer I did not attend my church in, in Dumfries, but twice because I was at a different church. And so just the logistics of that were unreal. And, you know, you ask yourself, Carrie, why did you do all that? Well, <laughs> number one was the phone call. So when I, get that, when I get that kind of phone call, I don't play with it. It's not like, a, hey, God, let me, I'll get back to you. You know what I'm saying? Let me tell you, my schedule is kind of booked right now, but when it's not, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. It, I, I don't approach him like that, considering what we just read about him in, in Acts 17, where he says he gives life and he gives breath. 
I don't, I don't just approach him like that. Well, and, and then in addition to that, I knew it meant discomfort. I didn't know how much it meant, especially when we went from two incomes to one with two children. It was like, Lord God, take the wheel. It was, it, it was just like, God, how are we going to do this? And I got a fundraise on top of that. Things that on paper just make no sense. But I got the call. We got the call. And consequently, we said, Lord will follow. Period. As far as how he's going to work out the details, I did not know. But he has been. And so you guys, you know, you hear this, and in some senses it seems different. You know, maybe you don't have two kids my age, and, you know, maybe you didn't have to, you know, do as much fundraising or, or things of that nature. I, I hear all that. I get all that. But we are similar like what was said before. <clears throat> so on paper, my title would be planting pastor. My pastoral partner, his title is planting pastor. However, there's a, there's a subtitle that has far greater impact um, on the long haul, which is missionary. I'm a missionary. My, past, my pastoral partner, he's a missionary. My wife, she's a mother, but she's also a missionary. So it's going to change what that, what that will look like because right now she has little kids. So that, that means play dates with other moms. And that's where some discipleship can happen. That's where she can evangelize. In, in another season, it'll change, right? Maybe you're in school, so right now your title is student. But subsequent to that is the other title, missionary. And then subsequent to, to that missionary title is child of God. So the way it works with being a child of God is to say, hey, I know that as a child of God, I want to be obedient to my father. As a result, I'll be a missionary. So let me, let me zoom into this real quick. You, you think about first century Vegas, and you think to yourself, man, look at these people who I told you they were on a scale of 1 to 10. They're at an 11 with sin. God says to them, many of you belong to me. He says that to Paul. Many of them belong to me. So you think to yourself, man, these people are extremely morally corrupt, doing things that should, should, I can't even talk about here. That's how bad it was. God is saying of those people, many of them, not a few, many of them belong to him. So you think to yourself, God is the same God from, from then as he is now. In a day and age where there's a lot of sin that happens that we each do that we can't talk about. And so you, get to, you can sometimes get to a place where you're like, man, am I too far from you, God? Do you still even want me? Can I, can I pray to you? Will you hear me? Where are we at? Do we have like a spotty signal in our relationship? Do you, do you love me? Because I've prayed to you and I've asked you certain things and you didn't come through. You didn't answer the way I wanted you to. So, God, where are we at? God, make it clear. Make it plain. Well, he made it plain. Just like he did it with Paul, he makes it plain today. He sent his son Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus knew no sin, but he became sin so that we could be seen as righteous before God. 
So Paul is going to Corinth telling people that, hey, though you've done things in the dark that you would never want to talk about in the light, God still wants you because of his son, Jesus. God says the same thing today. Things that you've done in the dark that you would never talk about in the light, that doesn't nullify the relationship. God still wants you because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So just to, just to land the plane, just to land, or actually, since I'm living next to Norfolk, I'll say like the, the ship is coming close to the, uh, I don't even have terminology right yet. It's coming close to the what, the sand tide? Y'all help me out here. Thank you. Um, it's sad, too. I, I grew up 20 minutes from the beach uh, as a kid, so you would think I got the terminology down. But we're getting close to the tide. The plane is about to land. And here's where I'm going with all this. Did you get the phone call? Did you get the phone call to where God just changed your life completely to where your interests aren't the same, your desires aren't the same. The people you want to hang out with, it's not the same because of who God is. Did you get that phone call? If you did, amen, praise the Lord. If not, he's calling today. That's the thing. That phone call, it just keeps coming. He keeps coming. And, you know, I think of the, the Holy Spirit like a, like a gentleman. He just knocks gently at the heart saying, hey, come on. Get right. Get right with God through Jesus. Get right with God through Jesus. Do that today. Here's the phone call, and it's in the heart, so you can't see it. I'm talking to you guys. I don't see who the, who the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of. He's just knocking real gentle, real sweet. Submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So if, you, if, if he's calling, pick up. Pick up that phone. To those of you who, who got the phone call and, and you answered, and consequently, as of answering, you know things aren't the same. You know they're not. So you, you know you can't go the other way. There's just no turning back. To those people, we have two titles. We have the child of God title, and then we have the missionary title. As a result of being a child of God, it means that I want to obey him. And to obey him means that I want to help people know that he loves Christians and non-Christians alike. The easiest way to make that known is through sharing the gospel with people. I, I, I recently heard of this uh, cool survey trick that I'm going to be trying myself out. You, you walk up to someone, you say, hey, can I ask you like a two-survey question? Try this if you like. If you, if you don't catch this, you can probably watch it in the video. But you approach someone, you say, hey, listen, I want to ask you two questions. What is the biggest need of the city? And then like actually write it down because it could actually help understand that this help this church understand like what the city needs. But anyway, you write that down. They say, "Oh yeah, we need more youth initiatives because there's not a lot." Of, let's just say that's the case. And then you say, "Okay, what do you see as the best way to help meet that need?" And now you know, man, if somebody started like a youth organization, like on some one night of the week or something, I think that would really help. Us. 
wow, that's good. And then now, now you ask them, hey, can I share with you what I think is the biggest need of the city? And then you can just go right into sharing the gospel. Now, I know that can seem a little gimmicky. Everybody's different. Some people, you're, you're just like, you're just going to go up to someone, can I share the gospel with you? And then you share it. Some people, you might go the other way and say, hey, um, can I pray with you? And then they say yes. And then you say from there, um, now that we prayed, can I talk to you about Jesus? You, you might take a couple more lily pads to get to sharing the good news. It doesn't matter which way that you do it, but the heart of doing it is letting them know that you serve a good God who loves them too. So for those who got the call and haven't answered, answer the call. For those who got the call and you're on the line, he's telling you to do something. He's telling you to do something that's going to feel uncomfortable. I, I, I hear that. He's telling you to do something that's going to cause you to die to self. I hear that <laughs> a lot with you. But on the flip side, just know that he says, I am with you. So um, I just want to just also just let you guys know, um, practically speaking. So we, we told you we're starting a church. And uh, we're shooting for the fall. And I say fall because it gives us a big window. Because <laughs> uh, we, we were anticipating moving there um, since June. And we just got there last night. But all that to say, some of y'all are like, you know what? I want to I wanna like, work on my missionary muscles. You know, maybe I need to start, I need to do something away from home, and then that'll invigorate me to get back on mission at home. Maybe that's you. Well, if that is you, uh, next month, August 25th, we have a few churches coming to help us uh, be on mission in the city. So just to give you context about Norfolk, Norfolk is the, has the largest naval base in the world. But on the flip side, even though they have the largest naval base in the world, which means a ton of military, there aren't a ton of military-centric churches, which by that I mean to say churches that say, hey, even though you're going to be here a short time, we want you and we have discipleship systems that work perfectly for you. The average church, they want you there for like three years or more, right? But when you say that you're going to be there for a short time, it's like, uh, you know, it, it, it just doesn't work the same. You know, I hear that. I get it. And so we want to help fill that need to say, hey, we, we know that you're not going to be here a long time, but we want to, the aim between all the pillars, there's, there's 11 pillar churches worldwide. We want to provide long-term discipleship for these highly transient people. So we want someone to come to our church, and then when they're going to California, being stationed in San Diego, hey, there's a pillar church out there. Continue discipleship out there. What you've learned here, you can use it out there, and then vice versa. Maybe they're coming from San Diego to Norfolk. That's the aim. And so if you, if you want to help work on your missionary muscles and you, you want to uh, just say, hey, you know what? I want to raise my hand and, and share the gospel with some people. You can let us know. It'll be August 25th, which is a Friday, through August 26th, which is a Saturday. I can give more details, like more formally via an email. But just to let you guys have an idea of something that you can do to help you be on mission. Um, and so I just want to close out our time in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for your words, God. I, I pray that you help us be not only hearers of the word, but doers of, of the word. And God, but I, I also know that you also work um, with, with seeds, Lord. Seeds are planted, and then you give them time to grow. 
And so, God, this, the word needs to germinate in our hearts to, to see, see you from a better vantage point. Um, in light of, of what you say to Paul, in light of what you say to us, we need these kinds of things so that we can um, stay locked in, focused on you, and focused on, Lord, what pleases your heart. I pray that you help us to do that, God. It's, it's very easy for us to get distracted for various reasons. And so, God, we need your help in all ways to, to be able to, to focus on you. But, God, you're so kind. You've given us the Holy Spirit to do that, Lord. And, and then you say, abide in Christ. So I pray that you help us to do that, Lord, that we would be a, be a praying church, a praying big C church, Lord, that, that we would look to seek you and, and, Lord, want to bless you with praise. Lord, want to bless you with um, heartfelt worship on our knees. Similar to what Josh said, God, you know, Sometimes we get excited about the things that don't have eternal significance. God, I pray that you help us to shift that focus so that we do get more excited about the things that have eternal significance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.